So today we're continuing our conversation about some of the underlying structure, the, the way we're put together, sort of setting the stage. Uh, so as we go through the rest of the meetings this week, we'll be talking more about the observances and the restraints and the rest of the eight limbs of yoga, uh, according to Patanjali. So, but I thought it would be useful. We talked yesterday a little bit about the gunas, the the operating principles that are underlie creation, manifestation, and how they work. And we talked a little bit about uh, karma and how karma are the, is this uh, set of conditionings, these uh, uncooked seeds that are sitting in the background that are causes that, when the conditions are appropriate, become effects. So we find ourselves uh, living out the effects of things that have happened in the past, causes that we put into play, things that we've accepted, unfulfilled desires, different things that are just sitting down in the subconscious and they're kind of percolating. And when the external environment is appropriate, when uh, situation is appropriate, then these blossom, they come into being, they, they pop up. And so this is the, the karma. And then we talked a little bit about the doshas. And the doshas are the operating principles in the body, in the physical body. So we have vata, pitta, kapha. And the kapha is, the, is uh, related to structure, solidity, uh, the muscles, the bones, and keeps us grounded. And pitta is the fire, and that's responsible for metabolism, for uh, digestion and metabolism and and, uh, and action and yeah, meta metabolism and digestion, the things that we take in. And this is also the things that we take in through the eyes. So the pitta, pitta dosha is also related to sight. So we, we, we take in, we eat the world, we touch the world with our eyes and, and then we process that information. So that's related to pitta, the fire. And then the air element uh, related to vata. Vata is responsible for everything that moves. Vata is the moving. Vata is the, the air element. So thought and motion, action, uh, internal communication, nervous system, all this is related to the vata element. And of course, we have all three of these. Everybody has to have all three functioning to be able to be alive. And uh, when they when they go out of balance, if we have too much of any one of these, then they can create problems. They can create discomfort, suffering, and they're chronically out of balance disease. So chronic chronic disease in Ayurveda is said to be the result of imbalances in these doshas. So the idea is everything if everything's working perfectly in balance, harmoniously, the way it's designed to, then the body will be perfect. We'll have plenty of energy. We'll have, uh, you know, we won't have any disease processes. Uh, we'll live uh, unencumbered, un unlimited, free. Uh, but as soon as there are imbalances in the doshas, then these create little sufferings or they can create, you know, chronic diseases, long-term problems. And, of course, we're interacting with the world. So the world around us also has these gunas and these elements. And so we are in relation with them. So we are constantly interacting with what's happening around us, with the individuals, with the environment, with our aspirations and expectations. And so these things will tend to, uh, to push or to add to our doshas. And so there, so we're constantly having to adjust our internal states based on what's happening. For example, vata is uh, responsible for motion. And so whenever we're moving, we are increasing vata. We are increasing this air element. And if we're moving a lot, if we're moving, uh, you know, really fast, we get in an airplane and we fly across the country, then this is really increasing vata this is really increasing this air element and so because this has increased so much we need to be conscious and do what we can to balance it and to and to bring vata back down into its um, balanced and ideal condition its ideal state 
Um, and in the same way, we can uh, aggravate, we can increase the, the various doshas. Uh, pitta dosha is related to digestion and fire, heat, passion. So if we're outside on a hot day, we can aggravate pitta. And if we're outside on a hot day eating chili peppers, we can really aggravate pitta. And if we're outside on a hot day eating chili peppers and playing tennis and being very competitive, we can really, really aggravate pitta. So then we can find that we're really angry and judgmental. And this is, this is what happens when these doshas get out of balance. So we can notice how we're feeling and how we're thinking and how we're acting, what we're doing, and uh, always look for bringing harmony and balance into these characteristics, into these um, active principles. And so today I wanted to go back over, we talked a little bit uh, last week about the, the koshas, these are the vehicles. So this is another model, another way of looking at, at how we're operating, the operating system and how this interacts and review that once more because uh, it'll, it's because it's useful for us as we go forward talking about the, the yamas and the niyamas and things. So, so I think it's good to have a model or a metaphor to kind of bring this into, you know, into our present awareness and to make it more real for us. So I want to imagine that the body is like a medieval city, a giant medieval city with a big wall around the outside of the city. And at one end of the city, at the front main entrance is a big gate where everything comes into the city that, it, that the city needs to uh, function. So everything comes in through one end, through the mouth. And at the other end, across the, the city, way over on the other side, is another gate where um, the stuff that's, that's uh, waste materials, where the garbage gets dumped out. So we have a we have this structure and around the walls of the city are sentries. So we have sentries that are out there and they're paying attention to what's happening in the countryside. So, you know, there's some that have telescopes and binoculars and they're looking out to see if the fields are growing and if people are showing up for work and if all the stuff in the countryside around is working the way it's supposed to. And we have some that have, you know, big, big uh, horns that they're listening through so they can really hear what's going on, pay attention to, to what's happening. So, so we have sentries. We have these sensors that are out checking and seeing what's happening in the environment around us. And then we also have internal monitors that are checking to make sure that everybody's at the right temperature and that the plumbing is working, the circulatory system is, is efficient and that the food is being distributed to all the workers. You know, we have a million, a million uh, um, uh, inhabitants of the city and they all, they all have jobs to do. And so we've got to make sure that they all get what they need. So there's, you know, the delivery system has to work. And there's a, you know, there's a, uh, a squad that's out policing and making sure that there aren't uh, too many rats and rodents and, uh, you know, pestilence and things. So they're taking care of anything that's not supposed to be there and getting rid of that. So we have all these processes that are going on. And, and each one of these processes has monitors that are checking to see how it's working. And so the sentries and the monitors inside the city are all communicating and they all have their their little walkie talkies and they're communicating back to the administration building now the administration building sits in the middle of the city and all the people that work in the administration building the mind um, they live inside this building all the time they never get outside they never see what's happening actually see what's happening in the body in the in the city and they never see what's happening outside the city, outside the walls. They just live inside the administration building. And they are getting input, information that's constantly being fed to them from the sensors. And so this information is coming through the, the electricians union. So the electricians are the energy source, the communication source. So the body that the city itself, the structure of the city and all the things that are going on in it on a material level is 
the, the Anamaya Kosha. Ana is food. So this is the structure. The body is made of food. It's the food body. It's the solid body. It's the, the, the part that has substance to it. It's the material body. So it's the Anamaya Kosha, the food body. And it has within it all the organs that are processing everything and all the sensors, the sense organs, all this is part of the Anamaya Kosha, the structure. And then the communication, the information is going to the administration building through prana. So energy, uh, the energy has to make sure that the, the electrician's union that, that is responsible for the communication and for making sure that the right energy is available to all the different uh, citizens so that they can do their job. So the energy is directed and the communication is happening through prana, life force, energy. So this prana mayakosha is delivering the information from the senses and from the monitors inside the the introceptive network that's saying here's how here's how digestion's working and here's how the respiration's working and the air conditioning and the heat and here's all these things are going on and this is all being reported to the administration building the mind and every now in the mind there are um, group leaders so you know we have these guys sitting at the front desks the group leaders are receiving information input from several different senses, several different monitors, several different inputs are coming into this one desk. And next to that is another desk that's receiving a whole bunch of other inputs and another desk. So all these little group leaders are processing this information and the information that's coming in, um, obviously, you know, you cannot possibly communicate. For example, if you're one of the sentries out on the wall, it's looking around in the countryside, you can't possibly communicate uh, the color of every flower, the size of every tree, the height of every mountain, uh, the number of all the creatures, the birds, the squirrels, and what everybody's doing. It's impossible. There's just too much going on. So, so the sensors, the senses have to limit, they are limited in how much data, how much information they can actually send into the administration building so there for example you know in the metaphor of our our body here our eyes our visual uh, receptors are limited to this very narrow narrow tiny narrow spectrum of the electromagnetic spectrum so the electromagnetic frequencies go from super super long very short wave to super super short very uh, long wave I mean, very short wave and um, and everything in between. So we can see from 400 to 800, approximately 750 nanometers. That is the, the wavelength um, out of this vast array of electromagnetic frequencies. So when we get a little bit past what our receptors are, are wired up for, then we move into the infrared or ultraviolet on the other end. And uh, you may have seen night vision goggles or pictures from night vision goggles where uh, if you have this special addition to your sensors, you can actually see into this infrared. You can see heat and on beyond that, on beyond that. So we, but we're only wired up to be able to accept information in this very narrow little limited bandwidth. And so this little bandwidth of information from the senses is going into the administration building being communicated through prana through life force and and so these uh, uh, little group leaders these guys at the desk that are receiving this information they have to further process it because they're they're still getting a lot of information from a lot of different sensors there's a lot of neurons out here that are that are wired up that are touching the world and so they have to kind of uh, edit what's coming in and look for just the things that are really relevant. What's what's important right now and kind of disregard the rest. So there's some filtering that's going on with this information. And then these, these group leaders, they have to report to their supervisor. So 
each supervisor has a bunch of these group leaders that are that have edited down the information and the supervisor then has to create kind of an image give a, a synopsis of what's happening so they they further limit and winnow down the information to what's really important what's really relevant to what's happening right now and then uh, and then in this way, it gets passed from the supervisor to the manager. So the managers have several supervisors. And finally, uh, the, all this information gets sent into the executive board. In the executive boardroom, they're sitting there and they're taking this image that's been winnowed down and created this picture of the city. What's the nature of the city and the picture of what's happening around it. So what's happening in the world around us and what's happening in the body, this information all goes into the mind. And so, uh, so the city itself, the structure is the Anamaya Kosha, the energy, the communication and moving energy around is the Prana Maya Kosha and the exec, the, uh, the administration building. This is the Mano Maya Kosha, the mind. And so the mind is, is accumulating all this information and editing it down and creating an image, a picture, which again is edited, it's limited. Um, and they also, uh, also in this department, in the administration building, they have fact checkers that are going back and, you know, double checking with the, the, uh, with the other departments to make sure that they're all kind of lined up. And then they have, uh, it, the archivists that are going back and checking in the memory to see if this is similar to anything that's happened before, if the conditions right now are, you know, uh, related to some situation in the past. So all this information comes together and it's created as an image. So the boardroom there, they actually take and create the picture, the image of the state of the union, the state of what's happening in the city and the body and the state of what's happening in the body in, in around it, in the world around it. And they come up with an image, a picture, a story about reality. And this boardroom, the, the mind, it, then at that level, it's, they sit around and they argue about what to do. Well, should we go here or should we go there? Should we turn up the temperature or turn down the temperature? Should we buy this or not buy this? Is, you know, is this good? Is this bad? And so they sit around in the boardroom and argue about this. And finally, uh, finally, this information and this picture, uh, along with the, all the arguments, get sent up to the executives. And the executives is the next level, which is uh, what we call buddhi. This is the, the Vigyana Maya Kosha. And this is the the place where the actual decisions get made. This is where discernment, the decisions, the judgments, the discernment, all this is happening in this more subtle level, this next level in. And in the Gyana Maya Kosha, the, the executives, the board of directors, um, they don't ever get out to even see what's happening in the in the building around them. They don't even get into the mind. They are just getting the report from the mind, and their job is to make decisions. And so, so they make decisions. They're responsible for for discerning, for uh, keeping stability, keeping the system together, making sure that uh, that everything's working harmoniously um, under ideal circumstances. And then they give directions. So then they send their, they take this report, this image of the world and what's happening around us. And it gives a direction and tells the mind, here's the action to take. So now the action to take goes back into this executive board. And then the executive board takes their uh, pieces and sends it down to the managers and they send it down to the supervisors and they send it back out to the, to the monitors, to the, to the information out to the body and tell the senses what to do and tell the, you know, the internal organs and processes and tell them what to do. So the, so this is the direction that's coming from discerning and discrimination. So this is the, the Vigyana Maya Kosha. So these are, these are 
you know, bodies within bodies within bodies, and each one is uh, on a much more subtle level, and each one is a little bit insulated from the next level out. So the reports come in and the reports go out back and forth, but this discerning, discriminating level is never outside. It never sees the sun. It doesn't get out to the city walls. It doesn't smell the roses. It just takes the picture, the image that's brought in, and then makes decisions about it and sends out directions. And and so this is pretty much how we're how the system is wired up. Okay. So we have the physical body. We have the energy, prana, life force. Uh, we have the mind, manas, which is connected with the senses, and then we have the, the buddhi, the intellect, the discernment, discerning aspect. And, and so when everything's working perfectly, when everything's harmonious, then the city is happy and everybody is, uh, you know, joyful and they're all doing their jobs and everything works perfectly. But, and this is the big but, and that is <coughs> that things don't always work perfectly. Uh, things go wrong, and things go wrong and come out of get out of balance um, in many ways. So, the senses, the sensor, the, you know, the sentries that are out here and the monitors. If there's too much disharmony, if there's too much going on, the senses can get get habituated. They can become kind of uh, uh, addicted or habituated, dependent on certain things. So they start to pay more. The, the, you know the the guy with the telescope out there is really loving the fact that the tulips are blooming. And he's so in, engrossed in the tulips blooming that he's ignoring all the rest of the stuff that's going on. So, so he becomes habituated to just looking in the tulip patch instead of seeing, you know, the fact that they forgot to fertilize this part over here or that's happening. So the senses can be, uh, we can, we can uh, use the senses in a way that continues to stimulate the senses and to habituate the senses. And through this stimulation and this habituation, the senses become dependent on the stimulation. And so, and we see this happening, you know, we see this happening now. I mean, we have half of the world that's, uh, that's habituated, addicted to looking at screens. You know, they carry around the smartphones and the computers and the tablets and, um, and this is feeding the senses. The senses are really, you know, constantly being stimulated and they're constantly sending signals back into the mind. And, and, the, and the mind is going, wow, wow, wow. You know, we have to decide about this. And, and of course, the, the stimulation that comes um, changes the chemistry of the body, it changes the way the city's running. So, uh, so stimulation, you know, for example, um, we have this pandemic going on. So, so with the pandemic, we, we have to know what's, what's happening next. So we have to get back to the news to see what, you know, how is it going today? How many people are alive today? Or how many people are dead today? What's happening in my city? And, and the anticipation, the anticipation of knowing something, the anticipation of finding out, stimulates the dopamine response so dopamine makes us feel good and each time we uh, anticipate doing something we get a little squirt of dopamine and we feel good and it actually feels better to the anticipation actually feels better than getting the information the anticipation we're going to have chocolate cake for dessert and you can see the chocolate cake over there and we know that after we finish eating and you can smell the chocolate and the anticipation about the chocolate cake is turning on the dopamine response and we're feeling really good. And the anticipation actually gives us more pleasure physiologically than the actual eating of the cake. We're gonna go shopping Saturday. We're gonna go down to the mall. Wow. So we feel the dope, we get the dopamine, we get the rush, you know, anticipation and you know, we get to the mall and we we walk around for a couple of hours and look at a bunch of stuff we don't need and, you know, kind of wear out and go have something to eat. But 
the experience of being shopping is not the same as the imagination and the imagination and anticipation gives us the stimulus. So we're constantly stimulating the senses and with the anticipation or with the, you know, the, the senses also get habituated to, to, uh, through this process of, uh, Raga, which we talked about as one of the the uh, afflictions. So this tendency to be addicted, to want to repeat actions, to want to do the same thing over and over, the habituation in that direction um, creates expectation and it also overstimulates the senses. So a lot of information is coming into the mind and in the mind, then all this extra information is aggravating vata, so vata, remember, is thinking, communication, movement. And so here, here we are super communicating, having the, the senses overstimulated with all this input, all these ideas and thoughts and, um, and moving around and action. And so all this vata is aggravating the mind. So this office, you know, the administration building is chaotic. There's all this stuff going on and all this vata and all this, these, this thinking, thinking, thinking and comparing and judging and trying to figure out. So the signals that are coming through get distorted. The ability to have a clear picture, an accurate picture of the image of the world around us gets wobbly and it's not clear. And the information that gets presented to the discerning, to the booty, to discrimination is not accurate and so our discernment our discrimination um isn't always um doing what it's supposed to do isn't always giving us the best uh feedback <clears throat> so the mind the administration building uh has this uh this need this obsessive need to be in control it needs to feel like it's in control and it doesn't trust itself it doubts itself all the time so so it, there's a kind of a balance between being in control and knowing what the right thing is and being afraid that we're not controlling in the right way. And so when the mind gets overstimulated and isn't sure uh, what to do, it drops back into whatever position it can, can uh, come to that will uh, give it the illusion, the imagination of having some control. So we saw this with the, with the beginning of this pandemic here in the United States. Uh, people, people started go, getting a little crazy, really insane, crazy, worrying about what was going to happen with this pandemic. So we don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're safe. We don't know if this is going to wipe out everybody on the planet. We don't, we're not sure. And so there's this really this feeling of Vata being really aggravated. And what happens when Vata gets aggravated? Fear. So we talked about this yesterday. You stimulate Vata when it gets overstressed, it becomes fearful and anxious. So now not only do we have this feeling of being out of control, but we also have this fear and anxiety. And so what did we see? What was the response? The initial response to this was people went out and started buying everything. They were buying, and especially like toilet paper. And, and they go to the big box store because you feel a lot more in control if you're holding on to a, a thing of 32 rolls of toilet paper. You have this big, substantial bare bushel of toilet paper, and you feel like, wow, I've got some control now. So, so people are going and buying five, six, seven bundles of toilet paper to get some control. So here we have... A, a supposedly deadly virus, and we're looking for the best thing we can do to survive in the long term in case things get really crazy. And what do people do? They go buy toilet paper. I mean, this is not wise. This is not discerning, discriminating. This is the result of this imbalance, you see. And of course, that's kind of a uh, kind of a, a, a big exaggeration, but it's, but it was real. I mean, this is what we, what we saw and what we are seeing experienced. Now we're shifting into uh, the, the next level of this and people still 
are out of control. People still don't know what to do. They're being, they're, they're either being told to stay home, locked down, being restricted, feeling limited. And so this is contributing to a tremendous amount of vata, a tremendous amount of fear. And uh, the virus on the, on the physical level, you know, we have this contagious virus that's affecting some people. Um, but on a much larger level, we have the mental virus that's affecting everybody. So, so this, uh, this fear contagion is really um, the bigger problem of what's happening right now on the planet. So, so the mind wants to be in control and um, we've, been, we've been kind of trained for the last hundred years or so um, to have our sense of identity as being consumers. We've, we've been, the, the, the marketing people and the uh, advertising companies and things have become masters of convincing us that we need stuff. We need more stuff. We need better stuff. And when we have all the more stuff and the better stuff, they invent some new stuff. So, so we are constantly being encouraged um, to get the best stuff and the, and and they invent problems you know i remember i remember um seeing a commercial on television 40 years ago for a product that was designed to remove unsightly back hair now of course if you happen to have back hair <laughs> all of a sudden you know that this is a problem it never was a problem before they created the commercial and said we have a solution to something that never was a problem you see and so in this way we have more and more and more identification with this idea that with this sensation of being consumers and we and the way we get control over our life and our reality is to consume is to get stuff to have stuff then our situation is is also complicated because the mind because it doesn't trust itself because it's it's constantly going through these these considerations about am I doing the right thing? Is this, you know, is this good? Is this bad? And so in order to feel some control and some stability, we look around and see what everybody else is doing. So this is, there's kind of this herd mentality where whatever my group, whatever the, the people that I know, whatever they're doing, I'm going to tend to go along with that. So I'm going to be very heavily influenced by the society I'm in, the people I hang out with, the structure, the neighborhood, you know, whatever. Remember, we want to fit, we want to fit in, we want to belong, we want to feel like we're part of the group, we want to feel like we're part of life. And so, and so we will tend to have this effect and this influence. Now, because everybody's supposed to be staying home and social distancing, our group now that we're paying attention to that we're getting our cues from is on the internet so now what's everybody doing and it depends on what we're looking for so because the internet now has become uh, robert dr robert swoboda says this is like an artificial astral realm we created this you know this energetic reality that doesn't have a material basis but everybody runs around and does things and interacts. And, um, and so depending on what we're looking for, we will find it. Everything's available on the internet. So if we have a, a predisposition to be um, worried about actually physically getting sick, then we go and search for what happens. What are the symptoms? What does this look like? What do I have to worry about? Am I worrying the right way? Am I worrying enough? So we look for these uh, clues and we will be led because of what we're, the questions we're asking, we will be led to the groups that we identify with and that will give us feedback and tell us how to think and tell us what to do, you see? So we, we're, we're, of all the possible herds, of all the possible groups out there, we self-identify with the ones that will already resonate with something in us. And then we listen to what they're saying. And so, so you know, we, if we step back and look, we say, well, you know, in this country, we have, we have these two political parties. We have the Republicans and the Democrats. And the Republicans are traditionally conservative and the Democrats are traditionally more 
uh, liberal and, you know, supporting liberal arts and things. And the conservatives want to uh, have minimum government and, and, you know, pay more attention to making sure that we got lots of money running around. And so, so the conservatives, uh, they're, they're uh, wired up, you know, the administration office is wired up to uh, feel like it's in control, empowered, and not to not to let anybody else tell them what to do, and not to have any other uh, outside influences that will be restricting or limiting in any way. And so these individuals are saying, "This I don't I don't care who's going to get sick. I want to go to work. I don't care what it costs. Sure, people get sick. That happens all the time, but." Look at what's happening to the economy. People don't have jobs, you know. And so there's this this mentality that says, you know, I'm sorry, but some people are going to die, and and we still have to take care of the future. And then there's the other side that says, you know, every life is is sacred, and whatever we can do to help relieve suffering and keep people alive, and and yeah, there are are consequences, there are costs, but you know, we're willing to do that. We're willing to, to take the responsibility. And, and of course, neither one of these sides is right. Neither one of these sides is better than the other side. They both have valid arguments. You know, if we keep the economy shut down, then there's a trickle-down effect and the future is going to be a little bit difficult for everybody. On the other hand, if we're not being responsible and paying attention, more people are going to die and more people are going to suffer. So there is no right to this. There is, but, but we tend to become identified with a point of view. And, and as soon as we become identified with that point of view, we are able to ignore, to filter out the other part of the conversation. So we become habituated. We become um, addicted to the way that we're looking and to, to the people that we're hanging around with and the people that we're listening to and paying attention to. See? So this is, you just have to know that this is what's happening in here. This is how the, how the operating system. So what we want to do, you know, what do we, what do we, what's the solution for us personally is we want to stay balanced, always balanced and grounded. This is, this is important. And so, uh, so the first level is to make sure that we have, make sure that the city is happy, that all the citizens in the city are getting what they need so that they're happy and feeling, you know, feeling uh, secure. And so what we do for the body is we create uh, good nutrition. You see, to we make sure that we have the right kind of food in the right amounts that we have some structure. Um, and the reason for the right kind of food and the right amounts at the right times is that if we're eating in the right way, the, the taste, the, the, the post-digestive taste, what, the, what goes to the body is sweet. So there is, there is sweetness. There is this nurturing, sweet feeling and all the body feels nurtured and all the citizens in the city are all happy and they're you know whistling while they work and singing and, and chanting and and everything's balanced and feels really good so so if we're seeing to uh to uh creating a sweet environment for the body then it feels good and if not if we're it's if our tastes instead of being sweet are um sour and salty then this increases our digestion and the digestion gets up higher. And when the digestion goes up higher, then we want more. So, so when our system starts to get out of balance and we start to be, we start to feel like we need more, we need more, we need more. There's not enough limited. Um, and then if we move to the astringent taste, the astringent tastes uh, is, is uh, cooling. It feels is cold and restrictive. Um, and so now we start to really feel more separate. And then if we move to the, the pungent, spicy after effect tastes, then we, then we get hot and we're overstimulated. And then finally, if we, then we move all the way to the bitter taste and bitter is dissatisfaction. 
I need to do something, anything. This is not working, not happy. So, so we go through these, these levels of sort of post-digestive uh, conditions in the body that are related to these six tastes. And, and if we, again, if we recognize that, we come back and we say, okay, what I need to do, no matter what else, I need to figure out how to create this nurturing, sweet environment so the body feels good. Because as soon as the body doesn't feel good, as soon as there's uh, disharmony, imbalance, then this, this changes our introceptive network, what's happening inside the body, the signals that are going into the administrative office are reflecting the fact that we're, uh, the tummy's upset, or, you know, we're constipated, we have diarrhea, we have uh, this sore thing, the joints aren't working right, I mean, you know, I'm feeling this arth arthritis or sore muscles or this thing's happening, that thing's happening, the signals are going back and those signals are then affecting, uh, uh, influencing this nice, sweet, nurturing experience and creating the imbalances. And the imbalances then go to, are, are um, sent along to the discerning discriminating. And there now the discerning discriminating part is not getting accurate information and it can have a tendency to have imbalances. We can have imbalances on the level of the of the Vigyana uh, uh, Maya Kosha. So, so its job is, to, is for discernment, stability, and memory. So it, it wants to keep every, it, it's supposed to be keeping everything clear to be, see the difference between what's real and what's not real, what's true and what's not true, what's right and what's wrong for us. And, and so we can help, and, and, and then, uh, and then to be stability, to create stability in the organism so that it's functioning right and it feels like it's going to continue to function right. And we feel okay and we know there's a future and we're not worried about uh, ceasing to be. And so we have this stability, this regularity. And so this stability becomes supported when we have a routine. So, so whenever we can create a routine for ourselves, we do the same thing at the same time every day and what this does is this creates this it creates this nurturing feeling we the, the mind doesn't have to figure out what's next it doesn't have to decide we have breakfast you know i have breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning so so i have my breakfast and i have my breakfast at seven o'clock and i do this every day and then i have my lunch at 12 o'clock and i have my lunch and my supper at six o'clock i have this routine and with r rare exceptions, do I ever miss? And I, you know, and I have I, I, right now, currently, personally, I'm having my oatmeal. So this is good grounding. It's warm. It's grounding. It really helps to balance vata. It's nourishing, nutritious. So you can just have a little, uh, you know, a little bowl of oatmeal. Uh, Cut up a couple of, chop up a couple of dates in it for sweetness. Put a little cinnamon uh, or some um, cardamom, little cardamom, little cinnamon, and have this wonderful, nutritious, solid, you know, substantial, nurturing um, meal. It's very easy on the digestion, and and if we do that, and we do that every day, then we don't even have to think about what's for breakfast. I know what's for breakfast, you know, and I have my little, my little oatmeal pan. It's right sitting right there and all, you know, all the pieces. And so it becomes a very simple thing to move through this. And I don't have to think about it. And the mind doesn't have to worry about it. And the body's happy. And so it's, it, it's one less wobble. It's one less distraction. It's one less uh, disturbance for Vata. And, and so in the same way we can, create the, the routine for when we get up and when we meditate and when we go to bed and what our routine is during the day and having that structure. Now this, having this structure on one hand feels limiting. So, so I, I, my, my options now become less less as I create this structure for myself. And for example, I'm having oatmeal every day for breakfast. Um, 
and I'll do that for months and then switch over to something else. I was last year it was Chia. Um, and, and, you know, but we just do that again and again and again. So we create that stability, that routine for ourselves, create the, the, the habit patterns and, uh, go to sleep at the, at the appropriate time and get enough sleep. So if we're not getting enough sleep, the interoceptive network, the, the, the processes inside the body can't do what they're supposed to do. We need to sleep. Um, you know, there are functions that go on. The, the, the brain is moving information from short-term memory to long-term memory, uh, is filing away experiences in its own little special magical filing system. Um, the amount of blood going to the brain is reduced, which reduces the volume of blood in the brain and allows the cerebrospinal fluid to circulate more freely among the neurons and it flushes out the toxins in the brain. So all this is happening while we're asleep. And so, so there are many uh, restorative, repairing sort of processes that go on. If we're not getting enough sleep and not getting good quality sleep, then the system can't work properly. The energy is imbalanced and the, the information that's coming back from the interoceptive network into the central administration is saying we have a problem here we have you know so 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 there's an imbalance so we need to create a balance in our life we need to create structure this in this limitation that the structure um the limitation of the structure gives us the freedom to live balanced and harmoniously and to do the things that we need to do to accomplish our purposes so we really get the freedom from the limitation and we'll talk about this more when we go through the, the yamas and the niyamas. But but when we take all the, the world of all possibilities and we start to winnow it down to what what are the possibilities? What are the things that are appropriate for my life, for my expression? So we should have, uh, you know, part of this stability, part of this structure is to have basic principles. We have, you know, principles that we live by, things that we do and things that we will never do. See, what are our principles? What are, you know, what's baked into our our mission statement? You know, we should have a mission statement. We should have a purpose. What are we here for? Because then we know, you know, everything that we do can be uh, supporting our mission statement, our reason for being, our purpose for being, and uh, support us in maintaining our principles and you know it's interesting it, you know we say well i would never do that or i could never imagine this and i have you know i'm i'm focused i have my discipline and my discipline is this and this and this except for once in a while and as soon as we as soon as we make this exception and you know we do make exceptions but as soon as we make the exception just the one percent of the time two percent of the time i make this little exception and doing that makes it easier to make the exception again and makes it easier to make the exception again and so it becomes what they say is a slippery slope you know as soon as we start to wobble as soon as we start to go off of our purpose and off of our main uh, deviate from our main principles then it becomes easier and easier to kind of, you know, fall apart, lose our integrity. So it's useful for us to, to, uh, to have a purpose and to stay focused and, and to focus on the things that we know are nurturing and supporting and, you know, useful for ourselves and to stay away from, avoid the things that we know are not. And one of the things we can do, it's, it's very useful, is to, is to do a little exercise where we just ask ourselves, you know, what really makes my heart sing? What really puts me in the zone, the place where I really feel, I feel good about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and myself. And, you know, when I'm engaged in this action, this activity or what this process, when I really feel at my peak, you know, some days we get up and we just wonderful, you know, awesome. Um, 
so we can ask ourselves, what is it that helps keep me and put me into and keep me into my zone, into this ideal way of being? And we can ask ourselves, what is it that takes me out of that? What distracts me from that or keeps me from being able to uh, experience and express that? So, so in this way, we can kind of begin to close down, to begin to close down all the options and all the possible experiences and everything in the world. We can bring these back into sort of a direction and, uh, and a path, something that we can follow that will allow us to feel fulfilled and prosperous and um, happy and content and all those things that, that help nurture and to, to keep vata pacified that don't allow pitta to become too overly passionate or uh, or aggressive uh, that allow kapha to feel structured and solid without being heavy and lethargic you know that can balance all these processes that are going on within us so that we're living an optimum life and and uh time is going away and uh, i noticed this morning i was <laughs> I was signing on to uh, uh, to a website, and in signing on to the website, you put your your email address, and then you put your password, and then there's this little box under that you have to check, and it says, "I am not a robot." And so many many websites that you go on that I, programs that I have to use, you have to check this little thing that says, "I am not a robot," so it's not you know so the so the bots that are running around on the internet aren't going in and mining information, and et cetera. But anyway, so I checked this box that says I am not a robot. And, and I thought, well, I've done this a lot of times, but I never really appreciated the, the affirmation that I'm making here. I am not a robot. I am not living on autopilot. I am not the effect of what's the senses and the effect of what's happened in the past. And, the effect of what everybody around me is thinking, the programmed uh, mass consciousness. I am not a robot, you know. I am conscious being. I have the ability to see clearly what's in front of me and to make choices that are supporting and nurturing for myself and supporting and nurturing for uh, the environment around me and for the people that I interact with. And, and we, so we can live consciously, mindfully in this way. So, uh, so our time is zipping along. And somebody, uh, and Walter and Will, <laughs> yeah, um, Paramahansa Yogananda said, we're all a little bit crazy, but we don't realize it because we're hanging around with people that are crazy the same way we are. They have the same flavor of craziness. And it's only when we see somebody that has a different flavor of craziness that we go, wow. That's really crazy, you know. Um, so, so yeah. So we want to be, we want to be self-realized, self-actualized, living on purpose. Okay, that's a lot. Any questions? Enough. That's more than enough for today. Um, so we can go out and make sure that we're walking out of this meeting feeling harmonious and balanced and in tune with the universe and tune with ourself and with the intention of being mindful and creating this sweet nurturing experience so that we can be joyful all the time. Okay. So namaste.